0: Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the Bros are fans. Doodle.
1: And welcome, Internet, to another episode of Fan Bros. Fan Bros. It's your girl, Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, aka the Ahura of the Spaceship. As you know, typically you'll hear DJ Ben Ami at this time, but last time I saw him, he was out chasing a BB8 droid that was spouting a lot of Star Wars conspiracies. <laughs> In the meantime, I have taken over. So do you know what that means? I am the captain now. Actually, instead, we also have my uh, my my lovely friend. I love him so much. Who else is here?
2: Uh, Me, Ty the Robot, aka the Magical Space Negro, aka Super Saiyan. (laughs) Yeah!
1: And also, we have Super Space Ghost
3: producer Kim Sonian in the building temporarily, but how y'all doing?
1: And joining us on a special mission straight from Starfleet, we have Mr.
3: Evan Narcisse reporting in for duty. Hopefully, y'all don't have a red shirt for me to put on. (laughs) Evan, do you
2: have an AKA for us?
3: Yeah. it's funny my nickname is the Haitian sensation I did not bestow (laughs) that to myself It's an old friend of mine from college who gave it to me but yeah sometimes I go by that
1: all right cool cool so welcome everyone to the show hope everyone's having a great time hope everyone's doing well this week everyone's feeling great as you know this week it was pretty much Star Wars week this is where the big premiere happened everyone and everything and every commercial and every show and everything that every lives piece or of breathes. merchandise that's
2: like you can't walk on the street without seeing <laughs> Fal- anything Star Wars.
1: Nothing. All of that finally culminated because the, the movie is out. It's been reviewed. All the reviews have been released and I've been hearing some good things about it. What do you gentlemen say?
2: Uh, I haven't seen it. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. hoping it's good. The reaction that I've seen from people on Twitter seems to be pretty positive.
1: Mhm. I uh, yeah, I, I actually don't want to know any detail I don't even want to know any real opinion (laughs) besides whether you liked it or not. But so, Evan.
3: I I have people at work who won't even look in my direction. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Because you
1: saw it it already, right? Yeah, I
3: saw it last night. I went to a screening last night here in Manhattan. And and I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, without, like, being too effervescent or gushing. Like, John Boyega kills it. All right, cool. He's great. Cool. Um, And, you know, it feels like a very canny... Uh, Star Wars movie, and just in
1: terms of canon, like it, it fits. No, well.
3: not in terms of canon. I mean, in terms of like, you can you like, there's a sense of craft to the movie. Oh, okay, which makes it clear that they've like looked at the lore, and and, and figured out how it works and tried to represent so some it of fits that stuff with the rest of the lore. It, t- more more tonally, there's very little carryover in terms of lore, but like in terms of tone and like, because my biggest problem with the prequels was mm-hmm. that. The, the the emotional kind of ups and downs like you get in the original trilogy were not there in the prequels, right? Right. The performances I agree. were flat, there was no chemistry. Yeah. Like <laughs> the sense of mythology, <laughs> like that, that you were in something like like quasi religious. Yes. Like was not there. Not at all. And that's that that's that's in the Force Awakens. Oh.
1: Not at all. I know I know our friend Jeff at Mashable won't <laughs> will not like to hear that what you have to say about the prequels.
3: He's like I have it. friends like that too, who like ride for the prequels and good, do that. How? You know. They don't um, even
2: stand on their own as films, let alone
3: Star Wars films.
4: Uh,
3: I don't know.
1: But, I mean, it, like, it sounds like all the pre-hype, I mean, it's really been annoying to me, but all the pre-hype is kind of living up. Do you think, I, I'm just curious, about everyone, do you think that there's just been mainly organic growth in terms of people really hyped to see this movie? Or was it really just the sheer onslaught of, like, marketing right now? Or or a combination of both?
3: I mean, it's Star Wars, right? It's almost yeah. too big to, to quantify, right? Right. Like, you know this we're talking about like a like fandom phenomenon that's been like done nothing but grow for like 30 years yeah. right like so like I, I don't know if any amount of marketing can produce the amount of hype that you're seeing right now exactly like not that know, the marketing was bad no i mean <laughs> yeah i mean the trailers have been good and you know like i think they've been really savvy about like uh the, the new shows mm-hmm. and like the the comics which don't count as marketing i love the comics that are be coming out from marvel now but like the comics are great so like i think th- there's a core group of people at, at at disney who like understand how to um stoke the passions of their fan base right right and you know that doesn't mean just because you're a star wars fan who's who's hyped like he never has been before doesn't mean you're getting it like Star Wars Eggo waffles, you know, just Mm. because you're that hype. Like, I feel like marketing can only (laughs) marketing can only carry you, but so far, right? Yeah. Like, there needs to be some genuine affection for the thing, and I think they, they, you know, and the thing is, I think the question that you're asking, we're really asking too soon. And this is something I thought last night. I was like, okay, "Okay, yes, I felt great coming out of the movie, but am I going to feel this way in two years? Ah, that is that is like when there's another Star Wars movie. So like. You know, is, it for, is the next one for sure coming out in two years? Next one's in a year. Next one is Rogue One. That's wow. the anthology movie based on the. Um, no, but on, I mean like the direct sequel to the Force Awakens. No, I, I I don't I don't remember. There's a timeline, but I don't have it memorized in my okay. head. But like, okay. the question is like, are they being able to be able to replicate this this huge cresting wave of nostalgia and anticipation? And the thing is, they're not. You know, it's been it's been, you know however many years since uh revenge of the of, of the sith and it's been however many years since return of the jedi yeah like you know you're not gonna have that longing that 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 percolates over time you know you're gonna get boom 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 it's gonna be like marvel now like where you're gonna get one two a year maybe and you think there'll be two Two Star Wars movies the year. I'm using Marvel examples because <laughs> there there have been like, damn. there have been times like you know Ant Man and, and, and Age of Ultron right. came out. If right. that rogue movie does
2: well, I'm sure they're gonna follow that formula.
3: Yeah, well, I mean they've already. It's funny because Disney like like Marvel, they they'll show you the roadmap for the next five ten years, and things will fall off whatever um, or get pushed back. But like mm-hmm. they're, they're clearly. You know, making an industry, an annualized industry out of Starwise Star Wars film content, <laughs> Starwise. Um, yeah, so like, you know, they're they're they got a plan, and the the thing is, like, okay, are you gonna feel the same way in five years when like the the the, the fifth, seventh, eighth Star Wars movie comes out? Like, the the novelty may have worn off. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh. Huh?
1: Well, you know, you kind of really pretty express express pretty much every thought that I ever had about it. I'm gonna see it on the 18th, so I like again. Don't tell me anything. Don't tweet me anything. I don't care about your theories. I'm just like <laughs> over at this point. Also in the news, I'm not sure like who's like really excited about this, but this this the GI Joe and Transformers shared yeah, cinematic is making universe? A shared
2: universe for all of their properties, which doesn't what. Because it's the hot thing right now to have a huge cinematic universe. Yeah, for that when like, it makes
1: yeah. for stuff that are actually congruent and makes sense. Right. GI Joe. And Trans- I think. G.I. I mean, G.I. the Joe most and Transformers- is that high, the, the only well, link is Hasbro. Like, I don't. Well, you
2: could make a shared
3: universe with GI Joe and Transformers. Okay, y'all
1: got. No, to- uh, no, no, no. Not can you make a shared universe? Can you make a shared universe? with What they
3: have. So you. You're talking to an old head here, <laughs> like, and there is like linkage between like G.I. and Transformers. You know, there are old yeah. Marvel Comics series. And um, I think IDW is publishing both those brands now. And I think there's there's a really good, really weird crossover comic happening from them. Cool. So like, you know, it can be done.
1: Yeah, it can be done. I'm like, but the with the are, current crap. Yeah, no,
3: absolutely not. First of all, com- comics are a different medium. So like we can show It's easier to crossover in comics. Yeah. yeah. I mean just in terms of scale it's the the productions are like you know costs and overhead and considerations like that are just not that much but in movies it's like you have totally different sensibilities right like these last this last crop of gi joe movies was like action with like some international intrigue and whatever like you can scale them up but like it never gets like cosmic right yeah like like the transformers movies have and you know Trying to slot in like all those different properties. So what was on the list? It was Visionaries, Mask, mm-hmm. Rom, Rom, Micronauts, yeah. and maybe something else that I'm forgetting. Um, and you know, like I'm an '80s baby. Like uh, I'm 43 years old. I grew up watching a lot of those shows, and some of them don't deserve to come back. You know, <laughs> like mask. I can't. <laughs> Ma- Mask was my yeah, shit. Mask yeah, Mask yeah. the last. I was one. there for Mask. I was there for Mask. I was there for ROM and Micronauts, mostly through the Marvel Comics uh, a series that came out that connected to those toys. But like, I can't, I can't tell you the plot of a single episode of Visionaries. Like, I don't, I barely mm. remember the toys. So it's like, the nostalgia that you're looking to tap into just may not exist.
1: And I would think, unless you bring up a good point, because I mean, the, whether it's kids or adults, and nowadays it's like, can you really? Uh can you count on adults now to really like go out there to see some shared cinematic? Well, the universe? nostalgia
2: factor only goes so far as yeah. as a company is willing to honor the material that already existed. Right. Look at Gem and the Holograms. Oh
1: God! Like, oh, I don't want to look at that
2: because they just completely went away from what Gem and the Holograms was created.
1: Right. And but, but they can't just stick directly to nostalgia. Like, what right. about everybody? No, else? but it would have
2: been a little more successful had they, you know, honored the material that existed. Well, of for Gem, with- absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, but like, what for the for this this idea that they have? What What do you think?
3: I mean, you know, look, you can't say that there's not a really cool opportunity waiting there to happen, right? Like, you know, there's a thing in, like, nerd culture sometimes where people say there's no such thing as bad characters, right? Only bad takes. So, like, if they have great takes, a great overarching logic that makes these things link together and feel cool and yet distinct from each other... Okay. Awesome. Like, but, I mean these properties started as, like, toys, right? Like, right. Like, the world building for most of these things was not terribly deep because, like, it was like, okay. We got to sell these toys. Yeah, we got to sell these toys.
1: I mean, it, it just bothers me because then you get shit like Battleship. Like, how do you world build off a of board game <laughs> yeah. that yeah. is literally about pegs and destroying, you know, fake warships? Well, call like,
2: me when we get Operation the movie. I'll be there for that. They,
1: you know, I heard <laughs> that they were, like, I, I swear to goodness, I heard that they were thinking about doing something like that. I would
2: I mean, hey, I watch that. Is,
1: which is completely bizarre to me. <laughs> I just I just feel like like just stop with all of this using these old properties. Like, come on, like please, please do your best to just invent, you know, come yeah. up with something new. I don't I just don't see it for that. Well I mean
2: and you said this before, you're tar- you're really I know you're tired of like the reboots and the sequels yes. and the prequels and the adaptations. It's really hard for creators nowadays to pro- like to push original content. Yeah. When everything else when it, when everything else is making money.
3: You need to. The thing is, and you know, I know people in in Hollywood. Like, you need to be able to show an audience, and you know, you need to be able to show that. Look, this concept has legs out in the real world. People are willing to pay money to enter this fiction and be part of this fiction. And comics, toys, you know, video games to a lesser extent because there's a there's a higher kind of overhead cost there. But, like, all those things are ways to prove that you have an audience. I was just reading, right now, there's an article in The Hollywood Reporter I saw linked off Twitter. Uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan is going to be co-writing a comic book for some publisher. And it's, like, a way to develop. That's the other thing. Like, these are seeds to develop the property, right? Like, okay, we got this produced. Now you have a comic book that you can put in an agent's hand, in a producer's hand. And they can read the story and see the framework of the character and decide whether they're in or not. And if you have, like, a couple of thousand people who are like, yeah, we're into it, word of mouth spreads, that's your marketing at no cost already before mm-hmm. a dollar gets paid to build a set or hire a screenwriter. So, like, that's what a lot of the logic is. Like, okay, hey, the the, the, the hearts and minds campaign that you need to kind of get people interested in your shit, like, already happened with, you know, the, the visionary toys and the mask toys and and whatnot, like so people think. All right, we we that's like uh, you know phase zero of our brand awareness. Phase zero, you know, but like <laughs> oh god. But like you're if, right though. But if 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 the needle didn't move that much in the first place back in the '80s or in the '90s, like who's to say it's gonna move now? Like you could, we could be are smarter about marketing, and you know viral videos are a thing, et cetera, et cetera. But like you don't need you don't need. That there's, there's no guarantee of success there you know it's all about the take you know like Jessica Jones like oh. was a B-list Marvel character right and like not somebody you'd ever think it would ever generate a TV show that everybody would be talking about that's true but, I can't say I knew anything about her yeah like D-list I what would say what the hell yeah.
0: whoa <laughs> she started off D and she made her way to b nah, she yeah. Was, yeah. wait a minute wait
1: a minute wait a minute where the hell did you come from Chico
0: I just uh, just pulled up in the escape pod hello everyone <laughs> That's what all that smoke was. Yeah, that's okay. right. Happy Welcome. holidays.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I, I feel you about Jessica Jones and all that. But, you know, it remains to be seen. Like, I, I again, I'm still not thrilled about all of this these ideas that they're having. I just think they're dumb.
3: Look, I mean, you know, again, I'm a nerd of a certain age. There's still shit I'm waiting for to, to get adapted. Like, you know, Ooh, like, like what? Robotech. Yeah, what? Yo, wait. I'm young, but I'll, I'll no? watch that. Okay, I'll
1: watch that. Uh oh. Me too. I'm young. I'll, so, I'll watch that.
3: I'm going to go off tangent a little bit here, but um, Telltale Games, we all know they yeah. make The Walking Dead games. Yeah. And they've branched out to make like ad- adaptations of, of f- the Fables comic and Tales from the Borderlands. They're, they do episodic kind of um, dramatic uh, narrative games, right? Not heavy on the action. They have a deal with Marvel, and they have not announced what they're working on yet. But a motherfucker like me <laughs> needs them to be doing a Power Man and Iron Fist wow episodic game series like dialogue heavy great character dynamics Mm. like good luck
1: with dialogue heavy good luck that's their thing
3: though i don't know but marvel putting their faith in in,
2: yeah with an asian with an asian no with those two two, no just with those two characters and i would love that too it's
3: perfect because it's low risk like you know like, you, if the shit doesn't work, you could sweep it on the rug and act like it doesn't hap- didn't happen. That won't happen because if the shit doesn't work... Because it's just a game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't work, you're never getting a Telltale game, things, then. Yeah. If it doesn't work, a motherfucker like me will read them for it. But, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I think it's a perfect property to, like... The strengths of the, of the Telltale tale games are, like, they, they sketch characters really well. They, they create situ- situations really well. Um, and, you know, like, they're, they're great with comedy. I think all the ingredients are there for them to, like, do a really good take on those two characters. But you know what? Like, I could also live with, like, nobody fucking that up either. Like, so it it remains to be seen. It's funny because one of the big reveals with regard to Telltale was a week and change ago at the Game Awards, they're doing a Batman game. I mean, you know, I'm like, I'm good on Batman games. Like, we've got, like, a thousand, the, yeah, like yeah. four, five, saturated, really good ones over the last like five. And or the six latest years. Arkham game
2: is still having d- uh, downloadable content, right? For it, yeah, and, like on a monthly Which basis. Which don't start.
3: I've been on the beat. That's been my beat for for oh. Arkham Knight, and the DLCs have all been terrible. Um, in Damn, my but they make money, so they're gonna keep doing it. We're not gonna go that. to <laughs> <We're not> <laughs> go go that, that saying, <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, Telltale announced a Batman game. I'm like. I like how they do their thing, but do I need another Batman game? I mean, but again, it all depends on the take, right? Like, if it's like a good origin story, but even though Batman's origin has been told over and over again so many times, I don't need to know if I need another take. I say that until another good take comes down the line. So, like, it'll be interesting to see. Like, so all that to say, the whole, like, Hasbro shared universe thing is like, yeah, it's easy to kind of, like, cast aspersions on it now, but, you know. It depends on how they deliver i mean i have very low faith in this kind of stuff like i've I've watched like you know spider-man get rebooted twice now like we all have and, you know like <laughs> we've all suffered
0: that last coming worst. up on a third time i mean the yeah, third time yeah, is yeah. actually
3: shooting yeah, yeah. and yet still brian singer is
2: still holding on to the x-men but we'll get to that
0: later
1: yeah yeah, yeah. all right Fan bros we'll be right back we'll just take a quick break and we'll be returning with more fan Bros show
2: Hey, what's up, Fan Bros? When you're not listening to the latest episode of Fan Bros, you can always head over to FanBros.com and check out our extensive library of episodes. We've had Juno Diaz, Prodigy from Mob Deep, DMC of Run DMC, and all kind of other people. Go on over to FanBros.com right now and check out that library. It's so many dope episodes. Yo, go crazy listening to them.
1: And welcome back, fan bros, to this fantastic episode of Fan Bro Show. You're back with your girl Tatiana King Jones, as you heard, dropping in out of freaking nowhere was the Chico Leo. Hello. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for joining us very promptly, too. By the way, right on time.
0: That's right. Also, also known as Han Cholo. Oh. Han <laughs> also known as uh, wholesaler moon. <laughs> No, you're That's me. genius. <laughs> so
1: we're gonna keep these, right? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Okay. You, can, you can add those. To Evan, the, you uh,
1: need to add some more, dude. You got to. You got to think about I this. I mean, I'm gonna give you some time, but you're gonna need to get some more going. Jeez. All right. So I mean, we're all. We always usually start the show so happy and so uplifted, but of course, there's some stuff going on in the world that you know may be a downer and make make us feel not too good. And I know uh, you guys know what's coming up now.
0: This, this week this in the N word. And, I was not told about this segment.
1: Yeah. Well, you're <laughs> about to find out. So this week, um, what the first of the few of the Freddie Gray, Gray cases, um, the cases against the, let me not say against, but the cases for the officers that were charged in the Freddie Gray death. Um, the first was for William Porter. Um, and it was, it's been very weird right now because for the last couple of days, there's been a lot of talk that, and a lot of confusion because uh, it ended up the jury become, became a hung jury. Um, they really couldn't come to a consensus on the verdict or what the verdict that they wanted to pass. And then today it was announced by the judge that the they actually just declared a whole mistrial, which means now they pretty much got to go back to the beginning and redo the entire thing. So. Thoughts about this, um, and, and just for the record right now, what, when um, this was announced in Baltimore, um, they had a lot of extra police there just in case what they what They, they knew it was, what was going to happen. Right. They said just in case there are, quote, unquote, disturbances, their words, not mine. Um, there were protesters there, uh, and like I said, protesters don't just inherently sit there and cause violence. Lots of times, they're just literally just protesting with their words, and- uh, enforcement law enforcement decides you know i don't like it they don't like how how, what they're saying they like what they're doing and they want to step in so there was uh there were as far as i saw this afternoon there were a couple of arrests um but uh, i don't know like what do you guys think about this right now so like at least for one of the officers they have to do this all over again and mind you the rest of the officers their trials start early
3: january i think um anytime we have incidents of of police on citizen violence, especially on, on, on black folks, there is going to be an element of um, spectacle, right? Yeah. Um, the thing about protests is that it turns spectacle and hopefully into awareness and hopefully awareness into change. Um, That's always the hope. Always the hope, but I think, you know, the thing that we see now are, are there's narrative spinning all around, you know, from yeah. the moment of the incident to the reporting of the incident, to, you know, uh, how, you know, where the trials are going to be set, the jury pool. Like, every element is up for, like, this really... And even after. put Putting the black cop on trial first? Yeah. Like,
0: how about that? Yeah.
3: I mean, there's there's an element of theater to all of this Yeah, stuff. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, um, you know... It doesn't matter if a black cop was amongst the ones. Who... No, but I think that actually, I I honestly think the prosecute. Uh, somebody had to have not the prosecution defense. Somebody, I mean, there was a decision made. I think there was like eight cops involved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Two were black. Am I right? Or I, or I, I know it was so. one.
1: It was one uh, black woman at least. Right, one and black, one black woman,
0: and one black man. So statistically, like it would be likely that one of the, the first cop would be white because six of the eight. Right. I just think that was clearly a calculated decision, to, like to defuse some to of defuse. The, yeah. Some of it's either say to the people, oh, look, we convicted a cop or to put the black cop first up because maybe he they, they're thinking that a jury won't convict him as hard as a white cop. I don't I don't know. But I'm just saying I think that that, that it was a calculated decision to put Porter first as the first tra- uh, tribe. You know, look, I'm not a trial lawyer. I don't know. But it just seems like, you know, again, with numbers, you know, it's it, odd. It's, it's yeah. odd that yeah. he's it's the, the of, black male cop is the first one who yeah. goes up.
3: I mean, the thing of it is this. Like, it doesn't matter if he's black because it, the the forces that pushed him to— Yeah, he bleeds blue. Right. To police mm-hmm. a certain way, to uphold the law a certain way, are, are you know, coming down from a place where uh, it's embedded in the American psyche, right? Like, uh, you treat a certain people a certain way because you have certain suspicions about them, and those suspicions are based on, you know— Centuries long, because misconceptions about who Black folk are and how they live, mm. you know. So you can put whoever you want up there. I think there's going to be a, the the same kind of haze of 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 um, preconceptions informing all of this stuff. And you know, the sad part is the trials wind up being not about about the police officers but about the victim. You know, and and that that's become a really tired trope in this kind of incident. Absolutely. Um, and I don't think it's going to change. So it sucks. You know, a mistrial means that this the, the drama and the toxicity gets drawn out for even longer.
1: Yeah. Ugh. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just like, I don't know. I was just kind of, I don't even know why I was shocked, but I was shocked. I was like, really? Like, I, I just, I just really thought that it would be more just definitive because it it wasn't like a Mike Brown situation. It wasn't anything really. I mean, of course, there's stuff where you a lot of things you didn't see. You don't know what happened. But, I mean, the guy died in the back of a cop car. Yeah. Like, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, I, I was just really. And I understand that there's several different types of counts that they have to um, either find guilty or not guilty for these people. But it's it's just mind-boggling to me. So,
0: and they're legally responsible for his safety. Once, they right. once he's in their custody. custody. Right, yeah.
1: so that's why I'm just, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just confused. I don't know. the robot. You just... I really
0: don't have a whole lot of thoughts
2: on this. I don't know yeah. all the facts about this. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I haven't kept up with this case. I'm a little exhausted with mm. all that's been happening this year, mm. and it's very hard for me to, um, to keep up with all everything that's happening. Gotcha. Because so much happens so so fast, and I can't get turned up at every single thing that happens with between. Uh, police attacking civilians, black yeah. civilians usually. So I'm just going to pass on this one. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, that's all right.
1: Well, in the lighter side of this week, and in Edward, um, our friend or soon-to-be friend of the show, Killer Mike, uh, actually will be dropping by the show hopefully soon. Uh, if you don't know Killer Mike, you probably need to Google something called Run the Jewels. But uh, this gentleman, uh, you've seen him out and about everywhere. Uh, he recently actually interviewed bernie sanders and, and for all you who've seen that video i actually haven't seen the video yet but i've heard really great things about it and our
2: other friend of the show clark nova yes Jason demarco he helped set that up
1: yes absolutely so i did um, not know that yeah he did uh Toonami, you know? Yeah. Toonami yeah. gentlemen. So um one thing about Killer Mike is that uh he, he follows DJ Ben Amin on Twitter and lots of times Ben Amin says what you know, just says some stuff about <laughs> the music, or whatever. And and Killer Mike RT's a lot of his stuff. And then, you know, one day Ben Amin was like, you know, all these RTs I get from Killer Mike, you know, I hope that he would just come on Fanbro show one day. And sure enough, Killer Mike the responded. The skies
2: parted, the sunlight shined down, and Killer Mike said, "I will be coming to the Fan Bros show. Jesus, in he said 2016? It just like that, no, too. not like that. He uh. really like No, it. I wish he said it like that. No, he no, had no. Blood must like my nigga. I'll be there.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so Fan Bros, just listen now because we're going to be having, hopefully, again Killer Mike on the show in 2016. So I'm really prepared. Well, I don't know if I'm prepared, but I'm really excited for that.
2: That'll be a fun day.
1: Yeah, for sure. So we're definitely looking forward to seeing Killer Mike on Fanbro's show. And now it's time for our geekingly asked question segment. Our most popular questions <laughs> <laughs> sent over from our listeners. The guac is extra. And this week we have um interesting question from Broski the Demigod. He asks, who would you kill, marry, or bone? And these <laughs> these choices are are broski Strange. i
2: appreciate what you did here <laughs> so broski the demigod yeah. sent us questions asking each host of the show who would they kill marry or bone the problem is ben isn't here so i'm gonna answer ben are option.
1: you gonna answer ben's question <laughs> all right the the, the the choices for ben are lisa turtle blossom russo from the show blossom and mystique I, you- <laughs>
0: I never knew her last name was russo so,
2: is, is this Blossom, like, the TV show? That's Blossom. what I thought, Blossom the TV show. Okay, I just want to be yeah. clear. So, right. Who's
0: Lisa Tuttle? She's from Saved by the Turtle. Bell. Lisa oh, Turtle. Turtle. Okay. She looks so, crazy now. So, if okay. you were Ben
1: I mean, so, so, Tyler, if you were Ben mean, who would you kill, marry, or bone?
3: If I was Ben <laughs> 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 I, I, I kind of want to answer this question for oh, you. Oh, no, no, go, go ahead. It, go please, guys, please. It, please, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm answering it for Ty, not for myself. So, you're okay. answering it for Ty as Ben.
1: Whatever. Just answer it for Ty. <laughs> Lisa Turtle, I mean, Blossom, or Mystique?
3: Okay, so Lisa Turtle, whatever kill. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't remember her character whatsoever. She was the a show. No. Um, Blossom, so she's dead to you already. <laughs> yeah, Blossom, maybe Mary. She seems like she's fun. I would
2: see. Okay, so we're killing Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're killing Lisa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now he has an opinion. <laughs> okay, it's down to Mystique and Blossom. Yeah. I would marry I would marry Mystique. Okay. Only because I think I, I am an X Men fan and I know Mystique. She is a killer, but she's also really good at her job. So, if I marry her, I'm I'm good. I'm protected.
0: She could also appear as anyone that you want. I was want. just going to say, Andrew. "Hey, she, she I still get what could, I want." Right, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> you, that's built-in variety right there. Yes. If you're a person who wants variety.
2: And Blossom, yeah, I'll give her a pity fuck. All
1: right, Chico for you. Your choices are Xena. Jill Monroe, which I found out through the Google search, that's one of the
0: that's, Charlie's Angels. That's the original Farrah Fawcett, Charlie's Angel, who left after the first season. Actually was replaced by Cheryl Ladd. Okay.
1: And Blair <laughs> Warner?
0: Uh she is the horrible, horrible, horrible blonde witch on oh um, on Facts of Life.
1: Holy shit. Okay, so 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 <laughs> kill Mary or Bob yes.
0: So I would I would kill Blair Warner and I would kill her as many times as <laughs> I could. <laughs> All right. I would bone Jill Monroe and I would marry Zena, although I'm sure Gabrielle would have something to say about that.
1: <laughs> okay, and oh, uh, oh uh, Tatiana's God. options. My options are horrible, but um, Who's uh, Eddie
0: Winslow. You'll
1: I'll tell you in a minute. Carlton Banks, yeah, sure as everyone else with Fresh Prince, Eddie Winslow, the son from Family Matters. And oh. Theo Huxtable. This is really easy for me. Carlton, I'm marrying because he got the most sense to me out of all three of these people. Really, wow. I would. I would. Wow. I. I. I don't mind being married to a cornball because look at the other choices I but have. What if Eddie
2: wins? What if Eddie wins? I don't want to marry Theo. Theo got his shit together towards the end of the show.
0: I don't. Show. Like, he went towards to the NYU end, when everyone like, stopped
1: watching, including know.
0: me. Theo's had a mullet.
1: No, I'm married, Carlton. Thanks. Plus, I get to have like Uncle Phil and 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 Hillary as my in laws. Like, yeah, of course. What, um, what
0: if Eddie Winslow was replaced with Steve Urkel? Would that change any of this? Stefan Urkel. <laughs> I was gonna say she's <laughs> if it's Stephano Urkel, I'm gonna kill. Yeah,
1: no, no, it had to be Stephano Urkel. And after they, they split dope. up, and, um, okay. <laughs> um, what was what was the rest? Uh, kill or bone? I I bone Theo Huxtable, and I totally kill Eddie Winslow because he was a, a goon. Thot. So he was a goon. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, thank you for sending your questions for the (laughs) Kuwakus Extra. Thank
0: you, Broski the Demigod. Thank you, Broski the Demigod. I I just want to add in there that the actress who plays Blair Warner became like a serious evangelical born again Christian and does not even allow her children to watch the facts of life. I so mean, they don't know the Facts they of don't Life. Need, I would, they don't,
1: what, what do they need to?
2: I am just going to say, what opportunity do they have to watch the Facts of Life? Like, where does
1: I it I mean, I'm
0: just care? saying, they're, not, they're not watching anything else, though. I mean, well, yeah, and I would I assume know. Facts of Life is on Netflix, is it not? It's somewhere. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, somewhere. It's in a DVD box like at TV Walmart. Land. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, anyway, if you have a question for the Fan Bros, doesn't matter how big or small it is, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at Fan Bros Show, or you can email us, contact at fanbros.com. And with that, we'll be back with more Fan Bros show. Yeah!
3: This is Joe Illidge, writer for Comic Book Resources. When I'm not busy writing or editing or really trying to make the world a more diverse place,
0: I'm busy listening to Fan Bros. Take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life.
1: Welcome back, fan bros, to this eye-opening episode of Fan Bros Show. That was lovely rendition, Chico, by the way. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yo, I was. I, I, I knew the facts of life. I learned them from Mrs. Garrett and the girls. <laughs> girl,
1: oh, gosh. Girl. You're, you're so old, Chico.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you didn't. Oh, I watched
2: the facts of life on Nick at Night.
1: I mean, uh, whatever. But anyway, as you've been hearing, we have been joined by Evan Narciss, Evan is actually a journalist that's all about his blackness. He's actually currently a reporter for Kotaku.com. He's written about video games, race, and everything in between. He's also written for Techland, Entertainment Weekly, IFC, the Haitian sensation himself, (laughs) Mr. Evan Narciss. Welcome to the show, Evan. Yeah, I've been
3: having fun. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Awesome, awesome. Thanks Thanks for for joining
3: joining us.
0: us. Yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, and thank you for... Um, dealing with that facts of life rendition.
3: That's all right. I'm with you. I heard the facts all of life are all about you.
0: Yes, I uh, guess. exactly.
1: Ah, you're clever. Ah, so, so the first, the first question. I'm, I'm just trolling. Where's your Wikipedia page?
4: Wow, come <laughs> on,
1: really?
3: <laughs> Man, where's
1: your page, dude? That's not
3: a good opener, there. No,
1: but I just feel like you've done so much at this point. You like, know,
3: it's weird. Like, my career's been a, like a an odd kind of journey. Like, I, I I've, I've been writing about video games and pop culture probably like 15 years i actually started off as a fact checker um and uh i know that's right yeah uh, yeah it's it's deep because <laughs> a lot a, a lot of media organizations do not have fact checkers anymore Well, <laughs> oh, we no. know um, um, that's CNN. Like-
1: um go ahead <laughs> <laughs> there's,
3: there's a big footnote there but yeah so i started off there and you know um ri- writing about video games writing about comic books and pop culture like uh most of my career has been freelance so while I've popped up a lot of different places like there hasn't been a, a steady home for me um, for a while mm. and um, you know it never occurred to me like to need a Wikipedia page like
1: I just I just feel like like you said you have work that's been like really haven't been making arounds around the internet for years and the stuff that you write about like you have the title of one of yours with video games blackness problem yeah. and I've read that actually read that a couple of times and that it's deep
3: you know i mean
1: i mean this i mean yes you write like reviews and things like that but but when you really go into your editorials and really go into like i said the the, the race and just the industry itself pretty much when you talk about what fan bros talk about
3: yeah you know it's funny my uh, the most recent thing i've written in that vein um is is an essay i call the natural Mm-hmm. And it's all about how, like, when I go to sit down and play a video game that allows you to play your, to create your own character, like, you, like say, Destiny or, mm-hmm. or um, online online games like that, yep. um, or even games like Dragon Age, uh, I can't reproduce my hair, right? And my, my, my hair is not a special, mystical, stylistic challenge, right? <laughs> like, my hair grows, like, the way black men have been growing their hair for millennia, right? Right. Like... One of the things I say in the piece is, like, you know, people as varied as, like, Sidney Poitier or Kofi Annan or, like, my dad, like, basically have the same haircut. But yep. it's not some. I, I you go through the options in these games, and I can never get one that feels right. And the closest so, thing they have is, like, a block. <laughs>
1: Like it's like a or a shaved head look, yeah. right?
3: You shave it. I don't rock a baldy. I rocked the baldy right. in college, and that was it. I'm trying to hold on to the hair that I More have. Or like the
2: atypical afro. Well,
3: right. right, and afro is done for comedic purposes. Like, look how yeah. other this look how guy black is. this dude It's never is. done to represent black hair. Right. Yeah, right. It's it's like it's like a joke or like you know. So, and the same thing for like cornrows and dreads. Like these are the things. These, these fetishized hairstyles, like at least they're fetishized in non-black circles, and like that's what you see in video games. So I use that as a jumping off point to talk about why I feel like the issue of of representation gets mishandled in video games so much. Um, And you know, I'm oddly kind of like ambivalent about like whether to feel hopeful or not that Mm -hmm. these things are gonna change because I feel like the pipelines to get like talent, creative talent with decision-making power in the video game industry, are very, uh, charged. Mm. Um, and, and, and I, I feel like what I would love to have happen would be like a replication of like the black arts movements of the 1960s and 70s, right? When like playwrights, uh, musicians, filmmakers, um, were taking the means of production in their own hands and putting black life out there. And it's all this different kind of, you know, Positive and negative facets, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I don't know if that's going to happen in video games. That's what I want. I, I you know, to, to 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 make another example. I was on a panel at Gamer X, uh last weekend, um, talking about the book, uh, the the essay, and um, somebody asked me, you know, like, what's your what's your pine the sky <laughs> utopian vision for like representation in video games? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want Milestone Media, right? Like, mm-hmm. if any, if if I'm sure a lot of listeners out there know Milestone Media was. Um, a creator-owned imprint by um, veteran Black creators, one of whom was Dwayne McDuffie, a uh, legendary comic book writer and and, and producer, animation producer. Uh, and you know, the the what people say now about Milestone was that it was Black characters for Black people. But Milestone had Asian characters, had you know, politically conservative Black characters. Their Superman character icon was like a Republican. He's like he, you know, he was like an elitist. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lesbian couple that was out and in the room. So they had a,
2: they had a world that reflected the world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
3: And that's what I want video games to do. Like and you know, because I've been doing this for so long and continue to be frustrated by like the half steps and kind of like compromised measures that I see in creating, you know, black characters, like I write about it every so often. I don't write about it all the time. I think there's a public perception that I do. Um but, you know, I, I I'm lucky enough to work for a place that gives me free reign to talk about this kind of stuff and has um a a high degree of visibility in video game culture and, and you know, I, I when I feel like I need to say something, I say something. Mm. Um uh it's 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 weird though because the the instances are few and far between because you don't get black lead characters or majority black casts um in video games that much. You know. I write about comics too for Kotaku and I wrote about the Ultimates, which is a new team book from Marvel, led by the Black Panther. Um, it's and it's the the cast is Blue Black... Marvel,
2: Miss America, right? Um, Captain Marvel. That's right. And uh, Monica Rambeau.
3: Right. Yeah. Um, who's going by Spectrum now? I think. No, is it Spectrum? Yeah, or... Spectrum. Yeah.
0: Um, but She's... she'll always be Captain Marvel to some of us. Well, well no, yeah, or, she is Captain yeah. Marvel.
3: Um, so, and you know, in the comments, one of the first comments after the post went live was. Yeah, but they don't have a white male on the team. I'm like... Really? Somebody yeah, that was like an actual that? comment? Yeah.
1: I don't know why I questioned this Is the internet. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. yeah, because
3: there's such a dearth of white right. male this characters. There's
0: 4,000 other comics. <laughs> like, yeah, wow. wow Every team's got to have one? Right. So... Do what? it. Wait, no. I, I wanted to respond No, I wanted to respond because this is the best example since Matt Damon made his oh, really stupid statement about, oh, we're trying to get diversity in front of the camera, not behind the Ooh. camera. Oh, this is exactly what the problem is. So I, I did work at DC Comics in another lifetime, like 15, 20 years ago. John Byrne introduced a little black kid into, um, I think it was like Jack Kirby's Fourth World that he was doing. Yeah. And, like, the two or three black people who worked at D.C. were like, what the hell? Like, what is this? Like, this guy looks like he's from, you know, this was in the late 90s. He looked like an anachronism, And it right? was like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. He looked like someone from, like, 1984. And it's like, you know, I, I John Byrne meant, like, to, to bring diversity into his comic or whatever. But it was like he was just clueless. Yeah. And this is the problem with this is exactly what Matt Damon doesn't understand. Is it
2: so, is it so hard for these, these creators though to like ask a black person? I mean, like, this is hey, a guy. Like- this is
0: a guy who lives in Connecticut and you know doesn't go out. And you know what I mean. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not defending John Byrne. I'm just saying. You, you would... No, it, it is shocking. It's shocking. Like, I'm shocked, so you guys would be shocked, like, tend, how little sort of people know about other cultures and other people. And, you know, like, w- w- when I write about video
3: games and representation, like, people often, you know, want to paint my comments as being, like, accusations of racism and whatnot. Like, no, I'm sure there's, you know, good intentions all around, but right. the road to hell is paved with good intentions, Absolutely. right? Like, you know, the thing that you thought was going to be like a great representation of like black life winds up being like leaning all kinds of stereotypes because you didn't know right and the reason you didn't know is because you don't have a black person you can turn to and be like hey right how's this read to you right like how's this feel to you is this like- coming off like yeah. a parody right yeah right. And,
1: and that's and the the problem with that i mean that, that what you just said like a lot of people see and we see it it's not so much they don't have a black person to look at or talk to they don't do it like they don't reach out to whether and you know whether it's a woman or a man they just won't do it and in that vein I just want to think just from your perspective do you think that there's been progression in either comics or video games or both like do you think like we're really it's really making a difference now or do you think we're kind of still in the same place I think
3: the good thing about comics is that you see the major publishers Marvel and DC actively trying to you know um have the characters in the books um, come from different diverse backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, walks of life, you know, there are, you know, probably more queer characters in superhero comics than there ever have been. Um, and that's a trend that just seems to be increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with people of color. Um, creators of color, I think there's a, there's a definite gap there that needs to be addressed. Like, um, you know, David Walker's a writer who's doing Cyborg for DC and he's going to be writing the new Heroes for Hire book for, for Marvel um he's also written a shaft comic he's like get you know seems to be getting a lot of work nowadays um you know but the thing is like it's not just one gig right you want sustainable careers you know like you want thing you want people to have a body of work that stretches over like uh uh, decades you know and that and and you also don't want to reduce them to being like you know the black guy in the back of the picture when, when you do your, your editorial like uh, retreats that like, okay, here's our one. See, we're thinking about you guys. It's like,
1: we made the quota. Diversity right? higher,
3: <laughs> And you know, like they're, they're, it, it's, it's, it's exhausting, you know? And again, I've been having these same kind of conversations for like years now. And it's like, at some point you just want to feel like you're not taken for granted, you know? And, and as a fan, as a reader, um, and as a creator, uh, so it's it's tough to, to feel like there's actual progression. There's like there's the, the the facade of it, and you can kind of like let it let it stay right there and feel comfortable and and, and, and say good job, everybody. Um, and everybody goes home. But like really, it's more than that, you know? Like I feel like you can't just have um, a certain set of characters that you you trot out every time you want to like show that you're diverse or whatever you know yeah. um uh, or you can't just have like hip-hop covers if i can call marvel out you know
0: <laughs> like yes uh, <laughs> and, when, when you don't hire <laughs> any of the original artists who did right. those hip-hop covers right. on uh or when you, that Tumblr don't have, was. when you
3: just don't have this
0: you know i'm glad you said it i'm i'm, I'm you know when you don't have the staff or or I can tell you I know Axel personally, or I knew him personally like yeah. 20 years ago, yeah, and he yeah. actually definitely did, and I would assume still does, listen to hip-hop. Yeah, I mean, no. Uh, so that, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't, I mean, I'm, you know, he listens to hip-hop more than I do. Like I, mean, I said, I'll,
3: it's clear the intentions were good, but, like, it's, it's also, very,
0: yeah, It's very weird to have a bunch of white artists doing, like, all this
2: black stuff, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, and, and also, like, to, like- it's weird to do that to like cash in on hip hop being this like kind of lingua franca for a certain kind of gen- for the, for the whole generation, right? It's weird to do that, but also then have like
0: the vast majority of your late of your A list creators are like white dudes, right? Well, so the flip side of what I was talking about before, here's an example of where you have someone behind the camera. So Chris Cross, who's one of those milestone yeah, I know, artists, I, mean, I know Chris. Very so well. he actually drew Firestorm for a while at yeah. one point, yeah. and he left. Over disagreements with the editor. And I believe that a lot of the disagreements were centered around how different black colors were characters were colored. And it was over, you know, I mean, it was a lack of understanding that black people come in a very wide shade of colors. Right and the white editor didn't necessarily understand or didn't recognize the import or whatever. But here, I mean, he was the artist on the book. I mean, there's pretty much no one more important. I mean, it's the writer, the artist, and the editor. And he ended up leaving over that. I don't know if it would have been better, you know, for for the the world if he had stayed on it, kept fighting it. I, I don't know you know again i don't know what was going so you're, on you're... behind the scenes i'm just telling you an anecdote that he told me at a holiday party you know a decade ago but <laughs> there's an example i mean no but you're there's a situation where you have a, a black artist drawing a black character right. and still there's an issue because of the the gatekeeper or yeah, whoever
3: exactly exactly you're talking about the jason roosh um, yes incarnation of firestorm it's uh, two funny things uh i interviewed uh, Christopher Priest, who's born at Jim, Jim Owsley, one of the first yes. black editors at Marvel. I interviewed him uh, about two years ago, um, and he said, Yeah, he, he he's like, I always get pigeonholed for writing black characters. One day I got a pitch, you know, uh, from somebody at like, Oh, we want you to write Firestorm. It's like, Oh, great, awesome. So on and so forth. He goes to do his research.
0: It's like, Wait a minute. He's black. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, he wrote <laughs> steel. That's why he left comics. He wrote yeah, steel. Yeah. He wrote what many consider to be the great fan. run on the on the Black Panther. Yeah, We're yeah. gonna see. Ta- that's what Tana Coates yeah, is yeah. gonna be measured yeah. against. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Evan, let's back up just a little bit. Do I wanna it. I wanna think about like how you grew up. I mean. We, we said it right, Haitian sensation, right? Yeah. So, so how is that coupled in? And I'm guessing you've been a fan bro all your life. And yeah. And by a fan bro, we mean someone who's just into, I guess, the general nerdery. So. Very much so. Yeah.
3: yeah I, I pretty much call myself a professional yeah. nerd.
1: So was, were your family, like, really accepting of that? Were they like, oh, you're a little oh, hell dork? No,
3: no, <laughs> no, no. no. Um, I was raised by a single mom. I have a twin brother and a younger sister. Mm-hmm. And I was an introvert bookworm growing up um comic books all over the room i remember one time my mom would just like flew into like a rage and started picking and granted my room was a fucking mess but she sort of started picking shit up and ripping them uh, in half and just like throwing them all in the garbage damn because she was convinced that She's like, you mom, know this
1: is first edition first i
2: know she issue. broke your heart that day <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> i was never like a mint condition kind oh, okay. of like collector in the first place but it's like you know you're like I, my stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I read stuff until the covers fall off because I because of my affection for that stuff. So it was. She definitely was not like into it. The same thing with video games. Like she thought, you know, that, that my hobbies, my passions were were a waste of time. And you know, like this is how I earn my living now. Um, right. Right. Um. So jokes on you, mom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. She, <laughs>
1: I'm she, gonna well, say she's going She might listen. Well,
3: she she she, she passed
1: away. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Now. But sorry. it's fine.
3: It's fine. You know, like it's it's. I feel validated um mm-hmm. in terms of like being able to critique the stuff I love you know and tell people why I love it and and what's interesting about it uh you know I'm in a weird stage in my career where like people like look up to me like and and appreciate what I do and how I do it and it's very humbling um mm. because you know when I was growing up creators and, cr- and critics like didn't look like me the vast majority of them like i didn't have somebody i knew that will like share similar concerns or have like you know the same kind of yearning i feel um for for better representation or you know i just want black life to be represented in pop culture in, in all its various forms like i watched something like blackish which you know in its dna is like a, a silly sitcom like meant to like deliver comedy in they a entertain. very specific format, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like I watch that and I well up because it's like, wow, it's look, very well written. It's like it's a multi generational kind of uh, intersection of viewpoints. Like almost every episode, it's yeah. like, it's 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 wonderful. Like
1: it, I completely enjoy that show.
3: And it's you know, it's the twenty first century. It's, it's yeah. been a long time coming. Um, so, you know, and I want, I want the nerd media that I enjoy to, to, to follow suit, you know, like one of the things about, uh, the mighty Avengers, which is a Marvel book that, um, Al Ewing wrote, um, over the last couple of years, like he had generations of black, of black men talking to each other, Luke Cage talking to blue Marvel and like, they didn't get along. They were like, Hey guy, Hey guy, we're buddies. Like, Hey, you know, back when I was coming up, like you weren't around, what was up with that? And. There was a whole storyline that involved Luke Cage's father, et cetera, et cetera. Like it went to conflict territory, but that's like a real thing that happens, you know, amongst black families, you know, whether they're biological or just social families. Mm-hmm. And and it was great to see stuff like that happen happen in conflicts. It's all too rare. It's all too rare. There was an Assassin's Creed, um, DLC expansion a year and a half ago called Freedom Cry, and um, you played as a character who's a freed slave and he was kind of like helping foment revolution on on Hispaniola, which was the mm-hmm. old name for haiti mm-hmm. and one of the other main characters in, in, in the game was a black woman and i mean you never see a black man and a black woman talking in a video game to each other
1: that's true you don't
3: and granted it was on some oh isn't shit fucked up oppression slavery shit right, right. but like it's so like it's so rare that you can't not note it um Go
1: towards that. How does how's video games shape your worldview now?
3: It's funny, you know, like video games are an amazing medium, right? That I feel like are only just now beginning to like grow into the artistic possibilities that are are pop, that are they like can be achieved there. Like, yeah, most of your video games that come out in 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 a calendar year are concerned with like, you know action tropes that we see in movies and tv right um but like you're getting video games that are like really deep powerful metaphors about like what people mean to each other or what it's like to be like depressed Mm -hmm. or lonely or date online it was a great game that came out this year called sabelle it's all about like um the, the the creator falling in love and meeting people online and like how like a coming of age like a a sexual romantic coming of age like told through in a video game like that's i mean that's amazing like yeah this is an art form that was about like you know eating power pellets and 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 chasing down (laughs) ghosts like 30 years ago so like i'm glad to see that kind of stuff happen um you know for me like I, i just want video games that feel fresh and not like they're recycling tropes from other media um all the time it's it's gonna take a while to get there still but like slowly it happens there's a game like two two of my favorite games in the last like five years were a game called papa and yo which was an independently released game that debuted on i want to say it was a playstation 3 um and it's a playable metaphor for the creator's life the creator of uh, vander caballeros uh he worked on like army of 2 shoot 'em up games for ea years ago hmm. um and he's like you know i can't make this kind of game anymore like this is not where i am like in my life like psychologically spiritually so he made a game about growing up with an alcoholic father but the game is a metaphor uh... the main character is this little boy who's friends with the monster the monster goes around this kind of like uh... magical realist favela eats these frogs which get him fucked up and drunk and he swats huh. kiko around the little boy that you control as the player and kiko's helpless he can't do anything against this monster um, and he want the, the 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 goal of the game is to find a cure for monster and, you know, he takes you through this journey, and it's amazing. It's a really beautiful game. Like, I cried <laughs> at the end of it. Like, and again, that's the kind of video game you weren't seeing, like, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, another game...
1: City of God stuff right what, there. A little bit, that's yeah. That's crazy. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, and there were, like, you know, game mechanic elements to it, like solving puzzles and shit. But yeah. really, it was about, like, going on a journey drawn from another person's life. There was another game called Brothers that came out, like, I think a year and a half ago. And, um like it was it was a kind of a weird control method where you use a left analog stick and a right analog stick to control the separate characters and um they what the creators of that game did there was like it's about how you need other people in your life to get through like hard shit and um, they express that mechanically there's a moment towards the end of the game where you 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 do something that reminds you of a character that is no longer around. And I mean, I had to put the controller down because I was like, I can't, I don't believe this is happening right now. Um, And you know, like we look to books and movies and music and TV as like, hey, maybe I can find something here to get me through a rough period in my life. Or maybe I can find something here to express the joy and elation I feel for this particular moment in my life so far in video games we haven't been turning to the medium for that but i think it's starting to happen so like that's that's why i'm still doing this i want to be around to chronicle and share like these amazing creative moments with, mm-hmm. with people who read what i write
1: cool definitely all right fan bros we're gonna take one more break and we'll be back with more evan narcissus <laughs> Hey, I'm Chester Lee. I'm Patrick. And when we are not picking up our dog's poop, we are listening to the fan Bros. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was, that was, uh, you had to try that one again? <laughs>
1: Welcome back, fam bros. We're here to wrap up our interview with the great Evan Narciss. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. So it is time for our wrap segment, which is our quick fire. uh, Somewhat quick. (laughs) (laughs) Question and answer segment. Um, Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. We have the first one, the Falcon or War Machine.
3: Oof. Falcon. I got to ride for Falcon. Like, yeah. Sam Wilson. Sam Wilson is one of my favorite characters. There was a great mini series featuring him, written by again Christopher Priest, back when he was known as Jim Owsley. And like, yeah. yeah, I think he's a really, really good character. Luke Cage or Black Panther? Oof, that's hard. Yep, that's hard. Um, I gotta ride for T'Challa. Like, All That's, right. you know, King. I mean, I love Luke Cage. I like. I actually b- bought a stack of old. Like 1980s, mid 80s, uh, Power Man, Iron Fist, a while ago for research for an article that I'm doing, Um, and you know, people hate on that incarnation of the character, but like Luke Cage is a very solid comic book character. I think once you get into the 80s and out of like the really kind of annoying, formulaic black exploitation stuff that they were doing with him early on. Where's
0: my money, honey?
3: (laughs) Yeah, you know what's funny? uh, Like. When Dwayne McDuffie did uh, Damage Control, there's a cover of Damage Control, which was a Marvel comic series about the people who clean up after superhero battles. Right, and they just got optioned for uh, for a TV show. When Dwayne McDuffie did, there's one cover where like the nerdy skinny guy who was in charge of Damage Control like was owed money by uh, Doctor Doom, and the cover is uh, "You'll pay for this, Doom," and that was his commentary, like him clapping back at "Where's my money, honey?" from back in the day. Wow, yeah.
2: The Wire or Breaking Bad?
3: The Wire. I mean, you know, Breaking Bad's a great show, but The Wire is like, The the, the Wire went past being a a really amazing drama to being social commentary.
1: Magneto Professor
3: X. Oh, um, hmm. (laughs) That's a tough one. Without going to the Malcolm X, Martin Luther King comparison, which I feel like our latter-day interpretation, which doesn't necessarily serve the concept well, or the reality of the civil rights struggle well, Without going there, a <laughs> right. big oversimplification. Uh, yeah, yeah, huge oversimplification. Yeah. Without going there, I think Professor X got more interesting as we found out. Like he wasn't quite as like perfect, perfect um, a leader and a visionary as we were led to believe. Um, but Magneto's always Magneto got there first, where we start to realize that okay, he's not just a villain. Um, um, he, he has somebody who has layers. Mm-hmm. That's a tough call. I want to say Professor Rex because, you know, I think being a well-intentioned leader of a faction who does the wrong thing for the right reasons is, is really interesting narratively. And, you know, I... I, I I like all the different looks we got over of professor X over the years. Like he could walk, he couldn't walk, you know, like, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, that's, that's, again that's an oversimplification, but like, <laughs> I think professor Rex was like a character that stopped being just like, like your dad and started being somebody who was like more like relatable, um, before they killed him off. And it's, he's been dead for a minute. That's the thing. Yeah, like, he's been dead for about two years now. Uh, maybe even longer. Um, maybe three, but yeah, like, and it kind of feels like they're not bringing him back and, 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 I mean, but Marvel's doing mutants dirty anyway. Yeah. I will, I will yeah. until they yeah. yeah. that, yeah, until we'll they get
2: the
0: rights back and then it's all I be, will get yeah. We will get there later in the episode, but go ahead, Chico. That's it, just that. I mean, you know, Professor X is going to, is going to rise from the dead the day that, that they get the the movie rights back. Keep rapping, keep rapping. Uh, Luthor or Dr. Doom? Lex mm. Luthor or Dr. Doom?
3: <sighs> That's a tough one.
0: As opposed to Luther the cop played by, the, <laughs> Idris, by Elba. Idris
3: Elba. <laughs> um I go with I go with um you know, I go with Luther. I was gonna say Doom, but you know, if you take the entire publishing history of Lex Luther as a character, I, I, I think it's amazing that like Like, he was a typical kind of mad scientist trope back in, like, in the 30s and 40s when he whenever his first appearances happened. And then, like, when Superboy came, they threw in the idea with, like, yeah, let's make him childhood friends in Smallville. And, you know, (laughs) Superboy made him lose his hair. And then, like, you know, in the 80s they went, like, corporate bad guy, you know, oddly reminiscent of Donald Trump now. Yes. Like, he was modeled on Donald Trump then, and now Donald Trump seems to be modeling himself on Lex Luthor now. Um, Because he's on some Burn the World shit. Uh, But yeah, I think Luther's gone through some really interesting changes um, over his publishing history. Whereas Doom has always been kind of a bad guy. Like, a sympathetic bad guy at times, but like... But straight up and down. Yeah, straight up and down a bad guy. Like a guy you don't want to trust. Even when he saves the universe, as has been the case in Secret Wars.
1: Star Wars or Star Trek?
3: Oof. Um, Think wisely. That's a hard one. Again, I'm gonna have to talk about this Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> whatever, y'all should have known what you were getting when you you had a brother on the show. um Star Wars. Star Wars is about like emotional connections, right? Like it's about you know your destiny and how to grapple with it and the kind of legacies you inherit. I just wrote about this for my my, my Force Awakens in uh, write up, and it's about like hey. My dad was this. What's my place in the world? Or there's this galactic cosmic, you know, life energy that speaks through me. How the fuck do I use it? What do I do with it? Right? And, like, it's about finding your place, like, literally in the cosmos. Um, Star Trek is about exploration and arbitrage. Like, it's about, like, uh, uh, diplomacy and recognize there's not the big religious, quasi-religious uh, aspect to it but like it's about how do we treat each other like how do we treat other races how do we treat people who are different in, than us how do we like go out into the universe into the world
2: you are describing Tatiana King Jones and <laughs> DJ Ben Hami. <laughs> you're,
3: go ahead, you're, you're basically keep doing going.
1: condensed version of our, of our uh... but no, yeah I no I mean and
3: like <laughs> it's true show. though it, mean? I mean Star Trek edges it out for me a little bit because, like, it, there's still like deep philosophical questions, you know, interwoven throughout the chromosomes of each one of these things. Mm-hmm. But like, for Star Trek, I feel like you 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 watch this stuff happen, you know, kind of incrementally. you know, yeah. the Klingons in the original series were like, you know, metaphors for like cold War and yep. Russia, yep. and all these kind of scary political enemies outside the American borders. By the time next generation rolls around, there are allies, you know. Yeah. Somehow, in 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 the various meetings and skirmishes and treaties and accords, we learn to work with them and respect their culture and even integrate it a little bit, like into the federation. Yeah. Um, so like, that's deep for me, you know. Like for 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 as a member of a social group that often feels like demonized and uh, on the fringes, like the idea that there can be some kind of like. Um, true partnership um, is is a really appealing part of Star Trek. There's never going to be a partnership between the light side and the dark side in Star Wars, right? It's a very black and white, manichaeistic kind of yeah. uh, 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 architecture. Yes. For no, sure. no, no, I'm agreeing Not with sure. that. That's true.
1: And finally, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be?
3: Oh man, just one. Um, my my favorite go to answers are super speed um and stealth like the ability to kind of like uh become invisible um which one probably super speed okay because you know if i want some if i want some you know if i want some silver age barry allen shit i can make myself invisible by making sure i was gonna say you can get the stealth right (laughs) there light yeah light doesn't touch my body so yeah
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, you have survived the brap segment. Yeah, that
3: was hard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, we hey we tried to tell you, we tried to warn you. Uh, You've also survived the interview segment. So thank you once again.
3: One day my daughter will listen to this and be either <laughs> ashamed or very proud. No, and very is that proud. your daughter in your in your Twitter? Yeah, yeah. mean, she's yeah. so cute. Yeah, she's good.
1: Well, again, thank you for joining us because we definitely had a great time with you. Let the fan bros know where they can find you.
3: Um, on Twitter, I'm at evnark, E-V-N-A-R-C. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Kotaku. Um, I, I, I'm writing daily on Kotaku, kotaku.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at.
1: Awesome. Well, you heard it here, Fambro's. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up this episode of Fambro's Show. What's up, Fambro's? This is your girl, Jamie Rigetti. And when I'm not writing novels, I'm listening to Fambro's Show. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, fam bros. I hope you've been enjoying your time here. It's me, Tatiana King Jones. Ben Ami's out in space somewhere. We have Ty the robot, the Chico Leo, and Evan Narciss.
2: The Haitian sensation.
1: Haitian sensation. What's up, y'all? So, in the words of DJ Ben it's time for my favorite segment
4: Tech Talk with Tatiana.
1: And this week in tech news, we're going to start out with some really interesting news that actually went on the radar for some of us. So, and, and I know ty the robot caught this uh bayonetta is going to be the ugh. last downloadable character how did that
4: happen?
1: <laughs> for smash brothers for the wii u and the 3ds how did that happen
2: well they said <laughs> she was the number one choice in the uk and yeah. the number five choice in the u.s for, yeah. for
1: like the the popularity poll yeah right? which
2: doesn't make sense to me why doesn't it make sense to you you how thought did, she'd be hired that
3: make her like the pick to go with, the pick to I, go think, with? I think I, I think she was number one globally was she I think maybe there's some. She was ed- higher
1: ed- up on some list. I think maybe there were some. There
3: some other territories that that um that maybe they didn't break down specifically. But also the other thing you need to think about is uh, Nintendo uh, published Bayonetta two, right? Um, so they have a close working relationship with Platinum. This is why you're here because I don't um, know this. I don't know the behind the scenes. Yeah, so <laughs> they of gaming at least. The, you know they made it really easy for Bayonetta to wind up on their platform, um, and uh, the the last game was a was a Wii U exclusive. So. Um, I think that may have been a result of a, of a close working relationship that the two companies have with each other. Oh, okay. But it was super wild. I, wa- I watched that, that Nintendo Direct last night, and I was like, uh, not last night. Yeah, it was last night. Yeah, it was last night. Yeah. It, it's
1: just, it was just out of... For me, it was just out of left field. I yeah. was just like, total left field. Oh, okay.
3: And she's covered up, too. Right. Well, well, so, well they have two... It's funny I think they have two costumes, right? They have two costumes, but what, what, what Ty is talking about is when she uses, Oh, when she
1: gets completely... When, yeah. when she
3: uses the super attacks in, yeah. the, in the games, yeah. she gets pretty much buck naked, yeah. right? Oh, like, well, they're going to tone that down no, for and, Smash No, and her games, yeah, in Smash Brothers, she All was right. definitely like... Uh, a lot more covered. Yeah.
1: So it's going to be her as the last downloadable character and they're also bringing a...
3: And she is the last downloadable the character. The last, yes.
1: Yeah. As in, that's it for this Witch. iteration of Witch. Smash Brothers. But also, they're also bringing um, a Bayonetta-themed stage, the Umbra Clock Tower. Nice. Yeah. So you'll get to have some nice views behind you. Um, Hideo Kojima is back in the news. I well, mean, he never leaves the news. I feel like he, <laughs> like every
3: other he, week we're talking about it. He has had the only year in video games... Um, which has been insane from from like having his name scrubbed from the the, the last entry and that was like of, the
2: like the beginning of his yeah like news that was the year. beginning <laughs> that was the beginning of
3: <laughs> which, the Hideo Kojima news cycle. Um, it's been so weird. Like the thing about video games, and like I said, I've been writing about video games for like more than fifteen years. Like there are so few creators that have name recognition in the way that. Like your Shigeru Hollywood directors, Miyamoto. right? Mi- Miyamoto, maybe like Cliff Lezinski, yeah. um, maybe. Namura. Yeah, like you know, th- there are so few people that you can name off the top of your head as like uh, somebody who has a recognizable stamp on a franchise or a character. Right. And Kojima one of them, and you know the the, the reasons. That he is split from Konami, or Konami split from him, or kicked him out, whatever. <laughs> we don't know. Whatever don't story know. you believe. <laughs> we don't know. Whatever
1: story Konami decides to tell us today.
3: Right, but you know, like I, I don't think it's an, a stretch of the imagination to say that he helped make that company what it, what it, what it is. No, not at all. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I and agree. you know, to see him go out like that, you know, to the point where he wasn't allowed to receive an award um, at the Game Awards hmm. show uh, last weekend. Um, they wouldn't you know they wouldn't let him fly, fly out and uh so it seemed like his career was going to be in a, in a state of flux for a while it, it seems like we were gonna have to wait for to figure out where he was going to wind up um what his next deal would be but then th- last night this morning this guys yeah and and
1: <laughs> and actually it was on kotaku.com your 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 yeah. the site you're right for now and they were saying he's ri- he's writing a ps4 exclusive or something? yeah so
3: it's it's well, I think the the console exclusivity of the game is going to be PlayStation Four. There also is probably going to be a PC version planned. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, if you if you if you have a dedicated gaming machine in your house and it's not a PS Four, you might be out of luck for whatever Kojima no, does next. And I think it's going to be like, kind of. You know super fraught what he does next right because you know this is a guy who's made metal gear year metal gear games for like 20 years mm-hmm. you know he he was working on a on a horror project with guillermo del toro um that's supposed to be the next chapter of silent hills franchise oh so yeah he did has he
2: do, was, did he do pt yeah pt
3: okay. pt was him yeah and konami like they erased that they mind wiped that off why off the face that was of the like earth. one of the best things yeah um um So
1: whatever whatever story they decide to tell us today, like right.
3: I mean, you know,
0: (laughs) yeah, he dodged a bullet, but with that Del Toro thing, though. You think so? I I think Guillermo del Toro is the most overrated person that we talk about. I wouldn't disagree with you there. (laughs) He's the reason why The Hobbit movies suck. Oh!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for this week in tech news. (laughs) Ty the Robot, I know you had some uh, Well,
2: I'm going to start with Comics I Cocked, which is going to go into the point that I have. All right. So I'm reading, well, Marvel has their all-new, all-different line right right now. It's their post-Secret Wars storyline, which kind of doesn't make sense because Secret Wars is still going on whatever but I've been reading X-Men books because I'm an X-Men fan so I kicked off with Extraordinary X-Men which is their flagship X-Men book and I gotta say I don't know what's happening with this franchise anymore the whole state of the X-Men and slash mutants in the Marvel Universe is that they're all, they're more hated and feared than ever before, which is, like, Bizarre. the same thing they say every year. <laughs> right. People still hate like, them. But did... this, this
3: is the realest it's ever been.
2: Well, oh, yeah, they're outwardly, like, uh, banning mutants from, like, existing. Like, they're shooting them down. Like, they're hunting kids. So what and, has...
3: and And, you know, they're going sterile. I will get there. So, oh,
1: they're introducing the flip side. And stuff the now? the like, flip side crazy. to
3: the flip
2: side to the mutants being so um, hated in the Marvel universe now yeah. is that the Inhumans are kind of like I don't want to use the word replacement, but um, replacement. Yeah, I don't want to use the word replacement because there's a, there's a alternative. Separate alternative. They're
3: experiencing a population
2: explosion. Exactly. So I didn't read the book where it happened, but Black Bolt released the Terrigen Mist into the atmosphere in Marvel Universe, and so all of the people on Earth that had Inhuman blood running right, in their right. veins went through pterogenesis and now they're these new humans. And so there's this big population boom in inhumans as mutants with the same thing. They go through the pterogen mist and they become sterile and X genes. You get sick and some of them even die. So it's like,
1: wow.
2: it's very clear what Marvel is doing. That's okay. <laughs> Shit. I wouldn't have a problem with this if the books were still good, if, this, all, if all of this lent itself to the storytelling. Right. It's not. It's kind of like making the books. I don't know. I don't want to say worse. Like, have you read *Extraordinary X-Men*? Yeah, I've read *Extraordinary X-Men*. Yeah, it's like it's not that great. And when I read the lineup, I was like, oh shit, Storm, Colossus, Magic. Like, these are characters that I'm like, this is the team that I've Mm -hmm. wanted for like the past few years, and it's with Storm leading. And maybe. But they're inherent.
3: They're 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 inheriting a thematically like barren. Yeah, they have
2: nothing to do. (laughs) Yeah,
3: they've got to save each other. They've got to save themselves, and like that's great. But like. The end game there is like kind of like boring. Yeah. It's like okay, so we saved we saved you know mutant kind for another day. It's like great, but are you? What's are you, this
2: other day when there's no one else coming? And
3: and and what's your what's your your, your role in the larger world? It's, it's super minimized right now. But on the
2: other side of that coin, there's a book in the Human lines called All New Inhumans, which is the best X Men book I've read this year. Right.
3: That's the one with Crystal, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: That book is an X Men book, and the way mm. Crystal's being written is Storm. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, I mean, I, I get it. I Like, it's calling out to me as an X-Men fan. But I'm kind of like, this isn't going to decrease my my love for X-Men. You know what will, though? What? The X-Men trailer that dropped the other day. Yes. Oh.
0: Although well, you got Jubilee.
2: You got Storm. For 0. 0.3 seconds, and I got Storm for 0. 0.3 seconds yeah. in a weird kind of thor esque scene. Right. Okay, but the problem that I have with this X-Men trailer, for those of you, I hope you have access to the internet at home. Otherwise, how are you listening to the show? <laughs> but, um... The the trailer for X-Men Apocalypse dropped. It's the latest in Brian Singer's mistakes. <laughs> I don't know. It's not... It, it feels like an X-Men trailer for X-Men that's coming out in 1999. Oh, and shit. It's the same beats that he has in all Damn. of his X-Men films. And I'm kind of like, dude, your competition is stiffer. This isn't 1999 or 1998 when you were the big comic book film. You have all this competition. And there was no real and competition. Not, <laughs> and not even just from Marvel. From Marvel, from DC, from comic book TV, from yeah. like... There's so much happening in the world that you have to step your game up and make your franchise better. Fantastic Four certainly didn't help Fox.
1: That is true.
2: Yeah. So seeing this trailer, I'm like, okay, it's 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 all right. I see mutants. It's
0: dark. It's greery.
2: Chico, you saw the trailer?
1: It's
0: another day. I did. There, I, I will give them some credit. I mean, I had very mixed feelings from the trailer. I was psyched to see Jubilee. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. To, well, for what? Yeah. But I think it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a new storm. I think the most interesting thing is that they're doing – they're not –
1: Alexander Ship, who also played, um,
0: and you know what? Well, wait, wait, no, no. That, that, that I was gonna say that they're not relying. The Wolverine is absent. Is I? Think, he is in the film though, but but he's not. The he's focus, not. But he's though, not the focus. Like he always. He's not the focus of the trailer. And, uh, well, ahead, I was gonna go say, and, and just the the younger X Men, like the younger, you know, like I'm I'm into some of that, and that is my gripe with this trailer. You have, this uh, the last film, Days
2: of Future Past, was this supposed, like, soft reset of the X-Men franchise. Right. Yeah, well, losing a okay. lot of the old actors, introducing a bunch of new characters with X-Men Apocalypse, but we, we didn't really get any of those in the trailer. Yeah. We had a whole lot of Apocalypse.
0: I, I also was very disappointed with the Days of Future Past, so, I you know.
1: I liked it because it erased everything that happened pretty much.
2: I mean, it's just going to happen again because it's the same. It's the same group of characters that they're bringing back: Cyclops, Jean, Storm. Like, yeah, I don't. There's L- well, can display. Colossus. Get some love,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. where's Colossus? He's yeah. in the Deadpool film. Wow, that's re- yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's a whole other thing. I mean, that's you know they divvy up the, uh, the the characters. I mean, I think it's really interesting that for 50 years or for 40 years. People have been trying to knock the X-Men out of, like, the number one spot, and this sort of weird, odd business decision is what has ultimately done Ah. it that has nothing to do with comics. Yeah. And it is interesting that it follows that the talent isn't on the... I mean, it sounds like there's not A-list talent. But let me go back on that for a minute, Chico.
1: Since when do studios care about the comics?
0: Yeah. That's an excellent. Well, movie. Marvel, but Marvel is Marvel well, studio, yeah, but, so Marvel but, 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 cares. But, but, That's what I'm saying. But I mean, to a
1: certain degree, and when I say the comics, I mean the the storyline,
0: the, the, the storyline. Story well, lines, I will. The I will agree with Chico. Who read I will the comments, agree with Chico. Know. Marvel, Marvel, Marvel's is, films did have this. honored their storylines
2: a lot better than Bryan Singer and the X Men.
0: So and, mar- right. and Marvel was for like, for we s- don't have the rights, so we're going to do our X Men story in Shield, and we're going to do our mm. X Men. So we're going to use the Inhumans, and they're creating all these new Inhuman stories that are I mean, this is what's actually getting me to. Go back to Agents exactly. of Shield. Is all this inhuman stuff sounds very and yeah. And uh, Brian Singer for how- some
2: reason has a problem adapting the X Men properly. Right. Like um, what's the second film? It was adapted from the storyline. God loves, man kills, and William Striker was a reverend. Yeah. Right. Who- slash yeah. politician. I would have watched the fuck out of that if movie it was, because he would have been yeah. rev- like William Stryker slash Donald
0: Trump.
1: If right. it was interpreted that way, but yeah. It's, but we it's, got it's
2: like, a, and the, every, people love X2, I hate that movie.
0: I see, don't I, see how
1: you could like that movie. I actually I, I really don't.
0: like the first three quarters of the first two X-Men movies, but then the the last act is terrible of both of them. Of all of them? <laughs> well, yeah. No, but then I actually... And then the third one is Abominable. And then I'm one of the few who doesn't really like First Class. First ordinary. Class was like, pretty lame. Yeah. Too like, more
1: trailers that dropped. Independence Day.
0: I didn't even see that. You
1: didn't even see that. I did. I did. Um, It wasn't bad. No. It wasn't bad. Obviously, I I, talk, I spoke about this before on a few episodes back. Everyone's returned. Everyone yeah. except Will Smith. It's
2: a color by numbers trailer, like right. action trailer.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, Aunt Viv, she got a degree apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she was. She had a lab coat Wait, on.
2: Before you do this, everybody needs to pause this and go watch the Independence Day trailer yeah. for Devika Fox's scene because yeah. she's running towards. I don't know what it is, but like. Toward so helicopters. Like, yeah, like it who such a badly complaining scene that, like, she looks like. You can almost see the green screen that she's running. Across.
0: Uh, I don't know. Doesn't it make sense that Will Smith would want to go do Deadshot than rather be in the franchise that made him a number one? Well, he's one been saying no for years, yeah.
1: and everyone else ended up saying yes, 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 yes. Even Goldblum's like yes, but he was just like nah, I saw. so that happened. And then also, what I'm actually highly disappointed about, but I'm still gonna see the movie, the Star Trek Beyond teaser trailer.
0: Or as as Will uh, whatever from, from Star Trek The Next Generation uh, the kid. Will Wh- 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 yeah, Will Wheaton Wh- said it's Will- an action movie where everyone for some reason is wearing Star Trek uniforms. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Will Wheaton. Although I think that about Will all three Wheaton. of the X-Men. Listen, uh, so, I didn't have, okay. Star Trek so let movies. me put
1: it out there. First of all, all those people who had it was just this big backlash about all the action. Who, where the hell have you been? Like for yeah. you, for people to really get me up in arms about there being a lot of action in a Star Trek movie. Like all,
3: I, all the Star Trek movies have had action. I'm yeah. not sure the what the, one the problem. With the whales now, has no Now, action. if
1: you. <laughs> Okay, if you're mad that the trailer featured nothing but action, okay, whatever. But for you to really be up, like, that's not Star Trek. What Star Trek have you been reading, watching? The, the first or- two
0: movies have nothing to do with any Star Trek TV show that has ever existed. Yeah. But that's the
1: thing. The movies, and they've said this, the movies aren't, while they borrow, they're not there
3: to continue it's the, the a Yeah, like, it is. So, so I was talking about this in the office, uh, I think it was even today, or no, it was last night, actually. The, this is the thing that, I'm actually hopeful for with the new show that CBS is gonna be doing for digital, uh, the new Star Trek show. Yeah, am I paying? Is, that, is that, you're, well?
1: Oh, I, I'm on, You want me to pay? You want me to watch it for free on regular TV and then pay CBS Go, whatever the hell it's called, for the rest? Y'all can't put that on TV. So uh, whatever. So anyway, go ahead.
3: Star Trek <laughs> in its DNA is like like a stagecoach western, right? Right. Like yes. wagon train to the stars. Exactly. That's how we pitched it. Right. You know, and but it's also like you know it's like all the countries of the, the member nations of the UN meeting to like hash out like how we're going to deal with each other, like we've been getting the action cowboy shit in the movies in the JJ Abrams movies in, in in the the new Trek stuff. What I hope is that we get some of that kind of like st- statecraft, right, or yes. like diplomacy and whatnot, and kind of like intrigue, political intrigue. I hope we get that in the series. Will Tyler Perry m- be reviving his role?
1: I <laughs> will, Perry. Tyler- <laughs> Listen, I just just hope we get a lot more, as you say, a lot more integration of that because that's really... To me, that's what the heart of Star Trek was about. It's not just, oh, it's too much of this, too much of that. The good combination of both and I don't care that it has nothing to do I with the I mean if you show. look at the 10
0: best episodes of Star Trek sometimes the TV of show has Trek, nothing to do with the TV None of them show. Like, have any care. action. Like the 10 best episodes of Star yeah, Trek but, the, but that's nobody not would, indicative nobody would see that film.
1: But that's but that's, and that's another thing this is a different this is a different, different medium format, yeah. Yeah. different format like it's this not like, film. And it's not
2: like the old older Star Trek films where you can rely on like the drama like this, the characters have, it's have it's that action. Like, the characters it's character driven.
1: I sometimes like I'm Star Trek heavy okay I just sometimes feel like the Star Trek fan of like the real hardcore ones, they want it to be boring. Like they <laughs> want it. Like they like you're not. I don't, like, want, it boring, not, but I don't not, want it to be a generic I'm not saying action. You, Chico, thing. Just in general, like I just feel like they they like no it has to be about we're sitting here talking about the diplomacy and going in the holodeck and you know that's
0: what the Star Trek books and talking comics are like,
1: for. Like I, listen, keep your fan fiction, okay? Um,
0: wow. I also don't like Chris <laughs> Pine, or is that his name? No, yeah, right. Chris Pine. That's fine. Right. Yeah. That's I think fine. He's and very this has generic. been trailer trash yeah. on the
2: fan bro show. Oh,
1: Also, just to remember, Justin Lin is directing this. Right. So what has he
3: done? Fast and Furious. Fast and
2: Furious. I think he
3: also did the uh, the best of the Chucky oh, movies. Uh, m- a lot if I'm of not them, mistaken, last... he directed he did Tokyo Drift Chucky too. Gets Lucky.
0: Sorry. The did... one with the Bride of Frankenstein. That's the best of the Chucky movies. So we can look forward to little malicious many. toy. aliens.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he did a few of them. but He also did Tokyo Drift, which
0: he did the last few. He definitely yeah. did the, the one that was the best, the one in okay. Brazil. Well, I mean, there's growth. And then there's, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see he, he's that. got a, quite a career, actually. Yeah, the other
1: difference is the screenplay was written by Simon Pegg. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, Chico.
0: Well, (laughs) speaking of Star Trek, so my pick for this week (laughs) is a documentary that I went into thinking was going to be a total fluff piece, which was a little bit, but wasn't. It was directed by William Shatner, and it's called Chaos on the Bridge, and it is all about the development of Star Trek The Next Generation, and it just focuses on the first three seasons. It's all behind the scenes stuff. And it's about, I mean, basically the argue the show, and it's interesting because Shatner, who you know was hurt that he wasn't asked to be in Next Generation, is the guy who directs it and is interviewing everyone, and he interviews everyone, all of the writers, now all that of is, the cast. That is Eight and plus shade. It's 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 very, no, but it's really interesting about because basically, they basically need Roddenberry to die so that they could actually move forward, and it's a sort of terrible thing to say, but it's very clear that that's what happened, and it's one of the reasons why, although there are some standalone really good episodes, the first two seasons of Star Trek Next Generation are not great. There's some amazing things that are introduced there, and there are some very good episodes, but you sort of see... Um, and they interview writers, and apparently they went through like 80 writers in the first season, which like most shows that run like 10 years don't go through 80 writers, and you know, it was all, there was power stuff behind the scenes, and and it just is a really interesting, you think it's going to be much more of a fluff thing than it is, but anyone who's interested in Star Trek or even interested in genre shows or the idea of reviving it, I think what a lot of people just don't really remember is Star Trek before The Next Generation it was three seasons that had aired like fifteen years ago of this show, and then there were four movies, which had varying degrees of success. Yeah. You know, people went to the Star Trek movies, but I, they weren't like Star Wars yeah, movies. You know what I mean? By, shot, and yeah. so it was, you know, they weren't they weren't mainstream, right? Like, no. it was still no. like, I a mean,
3: fringe culture. I mean, in
0: New York, you you definitely had to go wait online. Sure. You know, but I, I but don't think what you they had were to be. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and an interesting thing they say, you know, if. If Roddenberry basically hadn't have passed and if if the new people hadn't have come on and, like, Ron Moore was one of the big voices who then basically helmed Deep Space Nine and then Battlestar Galactica, like, if those guys hadn't have come on, there never would have been Deep Space Nine, there never would have Voyager, there never would have been Enterprise, and it, it's a very interesting thing, and you just don't normally see, I mean, who's... You know, the, you know, interviews with the writers, the people who were, you know, sort of creating these stories. So, um, yeah, chaos on the bridge. <laughs> and I just wanted to add, they made an announcement, I think Netflix is is adding 56 new shows next year. Netflix. Yeah, they're going hard. That's more year. than one for each week of the year. It's, it's more than one. And I have to say, Netflix has been extraordinary with how good most of the stuff that they've been putting out there is. And recently, in the last few months, like there's like two or three new Netflix shows that I haven't even gotten a chance to watch. Not that I don't want to watch them, I haven't had a chance to check out Master of None. I haven't had a chance to check out the new Bot of Odin Kirk and 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 the other dude from Better Call Yeah, no, no. Um, uh. Yeah, oh, the new job. Bob J- and Dave, the, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like so it's like the, the Mr. Show success. Right, yeah, right. But yeah. there's other things. I mean, and I just worry, you know, 56, like, not just the um, the fact that you have more chances of putting out bad stuff, but you're sort of cannibalizing yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I mean, one of the reasons I haven't seen Master of None is because it came out right around the time of Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. So, and so I, I I was watching Jessica Jones. Then I was catching up with all the stuff that I missed because I, I was you know binging Jessica Jones. Gotcha. So you know, I it's mean, a lot. It's, it, you know, it makes them look desperate, right? When right.
3: You're, when you're selective and you pick your spots, like exactly, it, it engenders. A certain amount of goodwill from your viewership, but if you're just it throwing, makes them more interested. Yeah, if yeah. you're throwing a plate of
0: spaghetti against the wall and, right. and seeing what sticks.
1: Now, what if what they do ends up everything ends up being good? Then what? I mean, at this point, their record. Have a very I mean, busy year. You,
0: you. Their record is that. I mean, their record is extraordinary. Whereas Amazon's is befuddlingly bad, with the exception of Transparent. They've got like twenty bad shows on there with great talent. A lot of them, really good talent on a lot of those shows. Anyway. So uh, <laughs> chaos on the bridge, chaos in the recording studio, <laughs> chaos in the movie theaters. <sighs> it's all chaos all the time. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, Chico, you I think you've said it. <laughs> chaos all the time. So that wraps up our episode of Fambro Show. Again, thank you to Evan Narciss yeah, for joining you. us. I had a lot of fun. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Ty the Robot, the Chico Leo Hopefully, you'll hear back from Mr. DJ Ben I mean,
2: soon. Quick thing. Yes. Everybody needs to go to YouTube.com, look up LaBelle Ball 2, and watch Patti LaBelle's final got-to-be-real movie. Yes. It's really, really good. It's a great love letter to the legends of R&B. I think yes. you said Patti LaBelle, not Patti Lahel. Patti LaHel. Patti LaHel <laughs> <Patti LaHelle laughs> At Maleficent on Twitter.
1: Friend of the show, Patti LaHell. Yes. It was such a good movie. Thank you. Um, as usual, please subscribe to the show. Rate. Tweet us, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, iTunes. Go to fanbros.com. Pick up a t-shirt while you're there. Anything else?